You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to talk this morning on the subject of releasing the power of God's Word in your life. What does that look like? What does it look like for God's Word to, to be released in my life? Because we know that when God speaks, it changes the way that we do things. It, it, it helps us to see things differently. We think differently. We look differently because we've been underneath the power of the saving gospel. And what we have to understand is that the effectiveness of God's Word is up to you. And that sounds maybe a little, a little off, but let me, let me explain that. The power of God's Word, the, effect, the effectiveness of God's Word is really up to you on how much it happens in your life. Now listen, I'm not saying the truth is up to you. The, the gospel is true. It's always true, and nobody's going to change the truth of the gospel. But whether it's effective or not, well, that's your choice. That's up to you of whether that happens. So the gospel is always true. Effectiveness is up to us. In, in the book of uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, um, the writer here, it says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says this in verse 13. He says, Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us. So whose message did they receive? His message. That's important. When they received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in those who do what? It begins to work in those who believe. The word of God is at work in those who believe. Who take the words from the scriptures that you're reading. You're hearing what God's telling you. And you're putting those things into practice. And you believe that the things that you're underneath are truly God speaking to you. And when you put these things into practice... You're starting to be effective. You're, the power of God's Word in your life is now starting to be effective. The question this morning that we have to answer is simply this. Do you believe? Do you truly believe that the words on the pages of this book, do you believe everything that Jesus said is true? I mean, I've, I've asked that question a lot is, what if Jesus really meant everything that he said? What if he really did mean, go love your neighbor, love your enemies, give, serve? What, what if he meant these things? Well, we know that he did. But you have to challenge and ask the questions, do we truly believe? Do we believe it? Because if you believe, then the word of God is at work in your life. Because you can't step into the presence of God and not have some type of life change. You, you following that? Like any time that we're in the presence of Jesus, something always happens. Something always shifts. Something always changes because we, are, we can't come before a holy God and leave empty or leave the same. Because we encounter somebody that we've never seen before. He pushes us in new ways to become more and more like him. And so if, if you don't believe... Then, then the work of, of, the, of God and the Word of God is not being released in your life. It's, it's the opposite side. So when you believe, 
It's at work in you. When you don't believe, it's not at work in you. So you have a choice that if this is going to be effective or not. This is why the, the author Thessalonians says that do you believe the work of God is, is at work in those who believe? So we got to ask the question, do we truly believe the things that we read on this page? Do we truly believe the things that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us to, to pursue and to move on? Or are we truly believing, or do we just toss it up as chance? Just, it's a great story. It's good. I enjoyed the characters in it, but it doesn't have any application for me right now. You know, this idea of, of the power of faith and the power of God's Word is actually something that Jesus taught. In Matthew chapter 9, 29, it's not on the screen, but he says, he was healing a man. He says, according to your faith. According to your faith. According to your faith. When faith was activated, this man was healed because he believed. He believed. You know, I think a lot of prayers aren't answered because we don't simply believe. We're just tossing up some words in hopes that God just catches them. But what if we begin to pray and speak with boldness? Because hey, we can't go wrong when we declare the Word of God, right? Because it doesn't come back void. That when we proclaim it for what it is, and you don't have to be a professional at it, you just got to proclaim what the Gospel says, it doesn't come back void. And, and so the Gospel is, is, it helps to activate the faith of people. And he says, according to your faith, you've been healed. So again, this line that Jesus is teaching is that your, your faith, you got to make this decision if you, if you truly believe or not because you're choosing how effective the Word of God is in your life because if you truly believe it, then you're living these things out. And if you don't truly believe it, then you're not living these things out. This is what separates followers of Jesus from church attenders because there's a big difference. And we want everybody to move from just being a church attender to being a follower of Jesus and be, becoming a disciple who disciples people. And this is the process. And so he tells them, it's a choice. We have to make a choice. The author of Hebrews in 4.2 says this, For this good news, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. So we, we've received this message, and these people that we're, we're talking here, we, we've given them the same message, but listen to what happens. He said, but it did them no good. And it has a little because. The message that we received, we accepted. They heard the exact same message. They didn't receive it because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Further proving that we have a choice of how effective God's Word is in our life. So we've got to make that decision of whether we believe it or, or we don't believe it. And he says that, that it did them no good. You know, there's times that we sit under teachings in a small group or in a church service like this, or maybe you listening online, and we're just hearing it, but nothing ever comes of it because we just take it in and we just hear. And it's not really effective unless we put these things into practice. And I love the message version of, of Hebrews 4.2 because the message ver version actually says this, that the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. They didn't receive these promises with faith. We can, we can talk about the promises of God, but until we actually believe the promises of God, what, what good are they to us? What good are they to a world that doesn't know the gospel if we don't believe what we're preaching? And I think a lot of times the reason that we don't want to share 
the gospel is not because we don't want people to enjoy heaven and we don't want people to enjoy this relationship with God. I think a lot of times the, the, the biggest blockage for evangelism in the church is you feel that you can't. You don't know how to, you're worried about if certain questions come up, how are you going to answer these? You don't, you don't feel qualified to be able to do that. Hey, can I just tell you the moment that you told Jesus, yes, I'll do anything that you want me to do, save me, I am your servant, you have everything you need to do the things that he's called you to do, and one of those is the great commission of evangelism. Everything. And he's given you a Holy Spirit to lead God and direct you in that area. You don't have to be qualified. Because, matter of fact, I tell people all the time that if, if we only had qualified people that were carriers of, of the good news of Jesus, then nobody would be carriers of the good news of Jesus because nobody's qualified. The blood of Jesus has qualified us to be carriers of the gospel because it's that God's work that is within us. And I, I, I want it to, to never be said that it did us no good because we're, we're mixing our faith and saying, I believe these promises. I believe these things. We don't ever want it to be said of us that we didn't and that we walk away from a faith that is not activated and we feel that nothing was happening. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when people accept Christ and if they're in an emotional moment and they just raise their hands because the music's right and the smoke's right and the words are just right and they make this emotional decision and then they walk out and nothing about their life changed. What happened? It wasn't faith that was activating their belief because their belief was more in the experience than it was in the Savior. Y'all know we have a tendency to do that a little bit, to worship creation over creator. And when we understand that Jesus is everything that he says he is and we receive these promises and we believe, it makes us better followers. It makes the world a much better place. And here's the point that I want to make to you today. My faith releases the power of God's Word in my life. That's our whole premise today. And I want you to understand getting to that point is that we have to make the decision on whether God's Word in our life is going to be effective or not. If it's going to change us. Because it can't change other people if it's not changing us. Or it won't change other people through us, excuse me. The word will do what it needs to do with or without you. You can ask Pharaoh that question. Pharaoh tried to stand in the way of God's people being free. What happened to Pharaoh? They named a swim after him called the dead man's float. That's what happened. But God still used him, even though he didn't want it. So we've got to understand my faith releases the power of God's word in my life. If you want the word of God to have power and to have value and to have profit, then you have to combine it with your faith. Faith is the activator. It's the thing that makes it better, right? So, so if, we want, if we want our lives and our beliefs and, and this whole walk of Jesus to really live out everything that he says, when Jesus said that I've come to give you life, that life that he said that he's come to give you has to be activated by the faith that you truly believe that this is a better life that he's called us to. It is what we were designed to do in the very beginning. And that faith believing that Jesus is everything that he says he is and he can do anything that he wants to do. When we have that belief, we can begin to see the power of God be released through our lives and then the word of God be effective in our lives and throughout when we're proclaiming it to other people. There's an effectiveness that will happen with that. 
So how do we actually do this? How do we get our faith to release God's power in our lives? So I'm going to give you four decisions or four choices that I think we have to make in order for His Word to be effective and in order for, for it to be released. Okay? Sound good? Four things. I know you're like your pastor. you probably got 15 of them. No, I got four. Number one, you want, the, you want God's Word to be released? You're going to have to choose to read it. Choose to read it. The statistic that I read was about 98% of households have Bibles. 98% of American households have Bibles. All right? Because they're, they're great decoration pieces. A lot of them sit. Uh, maybe you're like me and you got 15 different copies of every translation. Um, like Bibles and shoes are like addictions for me to buy. I don't know why, but they are. But I don't think that's a bad combination. You know, beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel. So that's my justification. So there we go. Um, that was on the fly. I don't know where that came from. That's good. But we got to choose to read the scriptures. How are we going to live something out if we're not in it and not reading it and not understanding it? Like, we cannot build our theological framework from social media. Dear Lord, redeem social media somehow. Because I will read things. If you love Jesus, you'll share this with th three people. No, I think he said, if I love him, I'll follow his commandments. I don't know about sharing. I don't think Jesus was sharing all these things. Or I'll read things that, you know, God just wants to bless you and, and do all these things. And while God does want to bless you, sometimes the blessing is in the suffering that comes. Or God wants to give you a breakthrough. And I do believe breakthroughs happen. But sometimes the breakthroughs don't come. And then people leave disappointed. And when we don't have a theological framework that we're working from of understanding the Scripture, then we put ourselves in a really dangerous situation to just take on any belief that we want to take on and just hear it. We should test everything. James says it. Test everything against the Word. Everything. How you vote, how you go through your daily life, the decisions you make. You should run it through the Word. What does God say about this? What is God telling me? We'll talk about that later on. But, but that's got to be our filter. and That's got to be where our foundation, our framework is. We've got to read the Scriptures. That's why God gave it to us. You know, a lot of people put their lives on the line to make sure that we got the story. They heard, they put themselves in a position to hear from God, to write the very words that God was giving them. They had this inspiration, and they write this. Many died for it. And here we are today, thankful that these men got this book in front of us so that we could understand the true promises of God. And we got to get into it and read it. The Word of God cannot be at work in your life if the Word itself is not in you. Now, that makes sense, right? So I'll meet people, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like, my life's a wreck. I don't understand anything. I'm like, well, have, have we, what, what have we read in Scripture? I don't, I don't really get a whole lot of time to read Scripture. I don't read Scripture. Well, that's a good starting point. That's a great starting point, is are we reading? Are we in the Word, and are we using that as our, our lens to see, to see life? Psalms 119 says this. It says that, that I have stored up your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Now, here's what he's saying. I've made a decision. I have made a decision. I have decided to store up God's word right here. Not for me, but I've stored up God's word right here so that I can protect this relationship because I don't want to sin against God. Not because I'm afraid of God or I fear God. 
I don't want to sin against him because I've realized how good he is. I've realized that he is my father. I've realized that he's a God of blessing. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. And he could wipe me out, but he loves me for who I am, even though he should probably push me out of the way. But he loves me despite of all those things. And he says, so I have stored his word because I want to know his law. I want to know everything about him. And there's this, this understanding that the psalmist is saying that we have to make a decision. And that decision for us, the decision is to read the scriptures, to read them every day, even if it's only one verse. Every time you go out to eat, it's not a five-course meal, right? So every time we sit down with the scriptures, it doesn't have to be a five-course meal. Sometimes, many of you this morning, when you got up, you were running late, and you just grabbed the first thing that was in the pantry. Maybe you didn't grab anything but a cup of coffee, but it was enough just to, to fill you up, was it not? You didn't sit down and have a five-course breakfast this morning. Maybe some of you, or you did. And if you did, tell us how you lived that life, because I, I need to get on that train. But we, sometimes we just got to grab things as we go. And it's not a matter of the quantity. It's the quality of the time that you get with God. Sometimes there's been things that I have read. It's been one word in a pat, one passage of Scripture that I... I just couldn't get off my mind. I kept thinking about it all day. There's that one thing. It wasn't that I felt like, all right, I've got to read the entire Bible in a year. And if you do that, again, great. That's, that's wonderful. But don't feel like you've got to read the entire Bible in a year. Maybe you just need to, to start with a verse a day and just let that saturate a little bit. Store those things. Put that word into your heart. Store it up. And he says store it up, by the way, because you never know when you're going to have to use that. So you've got to chew on it. The, they, they, had a, they had an old saying it was in, the, in the Greek, but it was like chew the cud. You know, when a cow chews, he goes through multiple layers of stomach, and then he throws it back up and eats it again. That's disgusting. But it's what it is, right? Because you get all the nutrients out of it, and you do it again, and then you do it again. And, and so when you're reading Scripture, you want to keep doing again and getting the same thing out of it. It's amazing that you can read a passage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit can tell you 15,000 different things that He needs you to pull from that, just, just from that one. So what I would tell you is that the rule is use whatever time that you have, but take your time while using it. Don't feel guilty because you didn't get through the whole book of Leviticus. Again, if you're reading the entire book of Leviticus in one sitting and understanding, please come and see me because I need some help. Right? I don't understand why I can't wear wool and cotton at the same time. Okay? Anybody Leviticus people out there? You all had a quiet time in Leviticus this morning? No. Okay. Me either. Um, that's when you do the one-year Bible thing, and that's typically where people stop. It's like, uh, Leviticus, yeah, let's go on the next one. We'll just skip that. It's probably okay. So we, we've, got to, we've got to use whatever time we have. So it, if you have five minutes, grab, grab your word. You know, and I... Th I'm, I'm I, I've becoming more and more as I get older. Um, I have learned that I now have my little quirks about getting older. I'm going to turn into that old guy that's constantly looking out the window when people walk by my yard. Um, but I, there's just something about holding the text and reading the text. I mean, digital's great, and so if you're reading it digital and that's the only way you're getting it, that's fine. But there's just something about physically having this book and reading it. It's just something about the pages that 
it just explodes when you can highlight, interact with the script. Yeah, you can write in your Bible. I've not read anywhere where you go to hell for writing in your Bible. Um, if you do go to hell, tell them that I told you that it was okay, and I wrote mine, and I'll be there too. But it's totally fine. It's fine to write notes because I think God's more concerned about this word getting into us than we are writing in it and taking notes about him. Um, and so we've got to use whatever time that we have to get into the scripture. So whatever is convenient. And even, even if you're driving and that's the time that you have, just pop in and the read the Bible thing and just listen to a, a scripture and just think on that scripture. But the first choice, if you want God's power to be released, his, his word to be released, you're, like, you're going to have to read the Bible. Because if you don't, you're not going to recognize the power that he's talking about. Does that make sense? Okay. This is really simple stuff. Like you don't have to, um, you don't have to talk and study multiple things, layers of Hebrew and Greek to understand. It, it's really this simple. He says in John chapter 8, Jesus said uh, to the Jews who, who believed in him, he said, if you, if you abide in my word, right? If you just abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. So what, what was he saying? If you abide in it, if you soak this up, if you soak the word up, if you're thinking on these things, if you're chewing the cud with, with these things, you are truly my disciple because that's the abiding. Because when I read it and I'm abiding by it, I'm taking it all in, there's life change that begins to happen on the outside. Because now I'm living the promises of God out to people around me. And I'm living it in my life. I, I am truly a disciple. If a true mark of a disciple is that they're a person of the word, a people of the word. Everything that happens is hinged on that. And I love this part of the verse. It says that if you abide in my, in my word, if you abide in it, you're truly my disciples. So when you abide, you become my disciple. When you become my disciple, you truly understand because a disciple is a student. And you understand the scriptures. And listen to the next part of this verse. And then the truth, which is the word, will set you free in that order. This is why when people become Christians and it's like, well, nothing changed. Like I just, I, I asked Jesus in my heart last night and I still feel like absolute trash today. I don't understand why I still feel awful. It's because it's not an overnight quick change. It's a, I got to get in the word. I got to start reading. I got to start abiding and finding out where God's asking me to be obedient. That's the mark of a disciple. And when I'm studying this thing and I'm living this thing out, and then the truth will begin setting me free from those things that I've been holding on to. It, it'll begin to crush strongholds. And he says, you'll, you'll know the truth. You'll know it. You can't be set free from something that you don't know. Because a lot of people are walking in things, not realizing they're walking in things. But when they encounter Jesus and encounter truth, he begins to expose all things. And, and all the sin of our lives that we have to repent of, he exposes those things. So we're, we're going to have to read we're going to have to read the Scripture. The truth can't set you free until you know it. And the only way to know it is by abiding by it. Here's the second choice that you're going to have to make. You've got to choose to read it, but you also got to choose to believe it. You've got to choose to believe it. You can read it without believing it. Right? I mean, we read books all the time that are not the Bible. I mean, some of you read Harry Potter, but I don't see you out on a broom trying to fly around town right? You love the story, but you don't believe it. When we read the scriptures, we believe it. We believe it. These things really happened. I, th I have to think about that. What was it like for Elijah 
going up against the prophets, the false prophets of Baal, and calling fire down from heaven and then taking them down into a river and killing them. That really happened. What would it have been like that day? And you know what separates you and me from Elijah? Nothing. Because I believe that if God put any one of us in that same situation and we were abiding in his word, that he also would have used us to call fire down from heaven. It's not abnormal. It's just being in a position and abiding and knowing what God wants you to do and doing those things. Like these things that we read in the scripture, they really happened. And we have to read it like that. It's not a story or a fairy tale that somebody just dreamed up. Like Jesus physically was walking on water. And Peter had a couple of great steps at it. Think about it. It happened. There was a little boy that showed up because he just saw this big crowd in a field one day. And he had just a couple of fish and some bread. And he ends up feeding over 15,000 people with his little boy's lunch. That really happened. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it happened? Because you can go to Israel and they'll take you to the hillside and they'll begin telling you the traditions of that little boy who walked up there with just a little bit and God multiplied it. It really happened. The question is, do we believe these things? Faith is a choice. It is a decision that we have to make. Psalm 119, verse 30, it says this, that I have chosen, I have made this choice. Again, he's echoing what he's already said in verse 11 as, as this is a decision, this is a choice. He said, I've chosen the way of truth. I've chosen that. I'm going to follow the word. I'm going to live in the truth of what God wants me to do. He says, I have set my heart on your laws. I have set my heart on your words. Listen, here's what he's saying, that if you haven't made that choice, it's really just a heart issue. It's really just a heart issue. It's an act of will. It's the choice that we make is our heart. It's based off this relationship that we have. Faith is based off a relationship. It's all about the relationship. Friends... Good friends take their good friends' words for it. You have friends in your life when they say that I'm going to do this, you believe that that's going to happen because they're good. They're good on that word. If they say that they're going to borrow something and bring it back, you know that they're going to bring it back and it's probably going to be brought back better than, than they took it because you trust everything. I use this measurement in friendships. And somebody will say, how good of friends are you with them? I'd say, they're the kind of friend that I'd give my social security number to. All right? And that's a pretty big deal, Right? There's some people that you would take a bullet for. There's some people that you take a bullet in the leg for. There's some people that you will just run and let them just take the bullet. You've got to decide where your friendships are. But your relationship in this faith is based off your relationship with God. So your faith is a relationship thing. Because many times what we believe doesn't really make sense in light of the things that we see, does it? Like, we'll watch things... We're like, I don't, I don't get why this is playing out the way that it is. This makes zero sense. I don't know why this diagnosis happened. I don't know why that marriage failed. I don't understand why my job is like the worst thing ever. I don't understand why these things are happening. And then we have to understand it's the way that we see it. Do we believe the promises of God or do we not believe the promises of God? Because they, they, they frame how we see situations. Biblical faith is choosing to believe something is true because you believe someone is truthful. 
I believe that the Word of God is true because I believe that God is truthful. Lying is not in His nature. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 6.16, He tells us that that's one of the things that He hates is a lying tongue. It's one of my favorite verses to quote when I'm teaching here at the school. And I'll ask a kid about their homework. I did, I, I did it, but I left it. Did you leave it? Because you know God hates that. What do you mean? And I'll turn to that verse and like, oh, I didn't do it. Like, all right, now we're just talking about repentance. This is good. We're going somewhere. But biblical faith is choosing to believe that something is true because you believe that someone is true. That someone is God. In 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, I know whom, say that with me, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And he says, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. I know whom. Paul doesn't say that I know what I have believed. Because sometimes you don't know what you believe. Because sometimes what you believe doesn't add up with what you actually see. It's a relationship. It's in those moments where we have to say, God, I don't get this. But I get you. You've been there? Like, I don't, I don't get why, why this is happening. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I do get you. And if that's all I have to hold on to, that's what I'm going to hold on to. Because that's my anchor. And, and I've got to choose that God is who he says he is. And will do everything that he says that he will do. He is our anchor. And so we've got to know that it's not what we believe, it's who we believe. That's what drives our relationship. Understanding the very attributes of God. So this is why it has to be relational. Because if you believe God is truthful, then you must believe His Word is true. And when you believe His Word is true because you've read it, you've activated it into belief, and now you start living these things out. And I know the other question would be, hey, I understand, I've chosen this, but what about doubts? Because am I not supposed to have any doubts anymore? Let me free you this morning. It is okay for you to have doubts. Because if you don't have doubts, you don't have faith. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, there have probably been things that you've read and things about God that you've questioned, and then you feel ashamed that you can't ask those questions. This is a safe place to ask those questions. It's okay to have doubts. Let me tell you, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. We started attending about the sixth grade. And I had a Sunday school teacher, teacher named Mr. Denny Campbell. And he would bring Mountain Dew and donuts every Sunday morning. This was a horrible idea when you think about it, because he, a bunch of middle school boys jacked up on Mountain Dew and donuts, and then he sends us into the church service, okay? The pastor thought the middle school boys were charismatic for a while there, and then he realized that we were just jacked up on the Mountain Dew and the donuts, right? But I remember Mr. Denny coming in every Sunday. He would bring this, and we would study the Word. We would study the stories, and we could tell you stories about Nehemiah and Shadrach and Meshach, and I could tell you about Daniel in the lion's den and Paul and Silas in prison, and we knew all these things, and, and I knew all these stories. And then I feel this call of God that I'm, I'm supposed to go in the ministry, and I fought it, and I tried other things, and then finally God won because that's the way it always works, and I, I end up in a school that I said that I would never go to, and then I started doubting if I was even a believer. I had these doubts. 
Because my life didn't look like the other Christian study majors that I was around, which I would find out later that was not a bad thing. And I would go to bed in tears. If I died, am I going to go to hell? Because I don't even know that I'm saved. Now I'm studying to be a pastor. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus. And if I died, I would, it would all be done. These were the doubts. And I struggled with that for years. I'd sit in theology classes and struggle with that. I'd also sit through Spanish class and just struggle with all of that. But I sat into a, a, a theology class one day, and the professor walks in, and he says these words. Before we start class today, I feel like I'm supposed to say something. And Dr. Walter Johnson, will never forget, said, somebody in here, if you feel like you're doubting your relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you you're in the right place, because that's faith. And it was like a burden was lifted off my shoulder. And he went on to teach theology. And I went on to take it a second semester. But I took it the second semester knowing that God cared and loved me. That my doubts were safe. That I could ask questions and learn who he was. I went through this whole phase through college of like throwing off everything that I'd ever been taught and building it back around who Jesus said he was. And a lot of people I felt like needed to do that. Because I, I realized there was so much detox that had to take place. That was me making the choice in the way of truth. That was me saying, okay, I can have these doubts, and the doubts are okay. It's okay to doubt. It's okay for me to have these doubts. It's, it's okay for me to talk about these doubts with other people because I, it, that doubts drive the faith because, again, these things don't look the way that I think they need to look, but God continues to look the way that he said he looks, and that's what I continue to focus on. So we've got we to read it. We've got to believe it. And we've got to do more than just believe it. We also have to declare it. You've got to declare it. You've got to read it, believe it, and declare it. You speak the word of God to people. You, you can speak scriptures over people. You can speak prophecies over people. You've got to let it be the confession of your mouth and declare your relationship with God. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing. I used to tell people all the time, the, the old quote, of, I, I guess it's St. Francis. I read it on the internet, so it's probably not exactly true. But when he said, hey, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. No, use words. Because that faith comes by hearing. I don't want people looking at my life all the time thinking, oh, is that what it's supposed to? No, I don't look like Jesus most days. I look like a guy that needs Jesus. Anybody else? Okay, I'm glad that we're all in the same boat. Doesn't that just feel freeing to say? That there are days I don't look. There are days that I'm in the grocery store. I do not look like Jesus. I want to check out. I got stuck in the Starbucks line for 20 minutes the other day. And they have the barriers. Once you're in, you're committed. 20 minutes. I did not look like Jesus. I turned the podcast on. I was trying to get some Jesus. But all I wanted was a cup of coffee. That's it. Mobile order, everybody. That was the answer. That was the revelation that God gave to me. And I quickly texted that to a friend and recommended it for them. Where are we going with that? Declare it. <clears throat> you got to talk to yourself. You got to remind yourself of those promises. You got to preach to yourself. Because let me tell you something if you're not preaching the promises to you, the devil is. And he'll preach them loud too. Because don't think for one second that he doesn't understand the scriptures. He will twist them and use them and manipulate them 
to pull you away from your relationship with God. If you don't declare these promises, He'll come in and just disrupt your whole life. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 17. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that if you'll have faith as small as a mustard seed, and you say to the mountain, move, the mountain moves. He didn't say that your faith was the size of a mountain. What he said was your faith was the size of a mustard seed. It's just, it's just a little bit of faith. You don't have to have it all put together. It's just a little bit of faith. I think about when Peter's walking on water, Jesus says, you of little faith. It wasn't him chastising Peter and going, come on, guy, you know better than this. Where's all your faith at? I think it was a term of endearment because Jesus had already told them that a, uh, just a little bit of faith. He, he had a lot of faith to step out of that boat because I can promise you today, if we're out on the boat in the little middle of Lake Moultrie and somebody says, hey, I think you should get out and try to walk on that. Anybody? Mm-mm. There are alligators out there. I'm definitely, definitely not, right? I can't see the bottom. No. I'm not doing that. And I think with Peter... Jesus was not ripping him for his lack of faith. He was telling him, hey, a little faith is enough to get you through it. you got to believe, and you got to declare it. You don't have to wait till you have big faith to do something. We have to take God on his word, and then we have to speak that to other people. The more you speak the word of God, the more it changes you. The more that you speak the word of God, it begins to change the way that you think about things. You have a different outlook on things. Because, because we've chosen to abide by it. We've chosen to read it. We've chosen to believe it. And now we're in this place where we are declaring the Word of God. And we begin saying the things that God says. And we begin to think the way that God thinks. And when we combine the Word of God with our, our declaration, then you can watch it move in your life. Because sometimes we just need a little pep talk and remind ourselves who God is. So you've got to read it. You've got to believe it. You've got to declare it. Here's the final thing this morning. You're going to have to choose to act on it. You've got to choose to act on it. You've got to put your feet to faith. We've got to start walking in this. We've got to start living and, and finding the application. We call them obedience points. What is the Holy Spirit asking me to be obedient to today? He says this in James 1.22. You've heard this verse before. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. So if we just listen to it and walk away, He says you're just deceiving yourself. But do what it says. If all you're doing is hearing it and not doing anything, then you're just fooling yourself. That's what he says. We prove that we believe by how we behave. We prove that we believe how we behave. And what difference is he making in my life? Am I becoming more like Jesus every day? Is that changing? What does my behavior look like? Can I tell you something? Every day Jesus says this. I love you. I care about you. I have a plan for you. I've got a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. Sometimes we just don't hear that. Isn't that a good thing to hear first thing in the morning? I love you. I care for you. I have a plan for you. Plans to prosper, not to harm you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be involved in your life today. Because if we don't believe that, then what happens is we miss out on this intimate relationship with Jesus. By not living like that, we don't believe it. And then we miss out on the true freedom that sets us free with the truth. When you act on God's word, God's word acts on you. Because you can't help but have the change.
Because the word of God is at work in those who believe. That's what he was telling the Thessalonians. It's at work. You gotta believe it. You're gonna have to read it. You're gonna have to declare it. And you gotta take some steps and act on it. That's what makes us true disciples is acting on it. I mean, I read verses like Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me all who are tired and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe you're tired and you're worn out? That God says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Do we believe verses like Philippians 4, 19, where he says, I'll supply all of your needs. I'll supply everything. Do we believe it? When, when, we're, when we feel like we don't have anything at all, God's saying, it's in, it's in that. It's in that where you feel depleted that I can begin filling that with my supply. That I can begin putting where things are where they need to be. I mean, do we believe that God's going to supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches? Do we believe verses like Matthew 6 where it says that you serve the kingdom first and everything else will, be, will, will happen? Like you seek first the kingdom of God and I'll usher everything in. Do we believe it? I'll read first, or Philippians 1, 6. It says, I'm the one who began a good work in you. Who began the good work in us? God. Listen to what he says. And I'll be faithful to complete it. In other words, you might mess this thing up in your mind, but I started the work in you. I'll complete it. Son, daughter, I'll get you where you're supposed to be. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation. What would happen if we begin just thinking on those verses this week? What if we just took the thought that God supplies all of my, not all of my wants, because there's a lot of wants, but he supplies all of my needs according to his glorious riches. What would life look like? What stress would immediately come off your shoulders this week? What fears would immediately have to bow down to God this week if you did that? So if you want God's power to be released in your life, you got to read it, you got to believe it, you got to declare it, and you got to act on it, and you got to live these things out. And listen, I'm foolish enough to believe that God will use that. I do. I believe that his Holy Spirit can change our entire community. I really do. I believe that revival can happen in this city. Excuse me, in this town. It can happen. And I believe that God can use you to do that. Because he said he would. And he's given you and me everything that we need to proclaim his goodness and his mercy and his grace to a lost and dying world that has no clue who he is. But before God will do anything through you, he's got to do stuff in you. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you for everyone that's here, everyone that's watching online today. The simple next step for us is just getting in your word and letting it do its work. We don't need to be scholars. We don't need to be theologians. We just need to be obedient. The Holy Spirit is the greatest thing that we could ever have to help us unlock the truths of your promises. So I just pray now in these moments that you would just convict us, show us where we need to do better, where we need to be obedient. And God, just speak to us in these moments that when we leave this place that we become better disciples. 
And we pray these things in your name. Amen.